630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Final night of action in the National Hockey League before the All-Star break. Two games on the ice right now. No games will affect the Oilers directly. The Winnipeg Jets are right now in Columbus to play the Blue Jackets. They're 1-1. The Jets, with a win, can pull to within a point of the Vegas Golden Knights, the Arizona Coyotes, and yes, technically, the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. (laughs) And two points back, or uh, three points back, of the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Oilers right now technically in second place. They have a game in hand on Calgary, and uh, this division is tight, tight, tight. As I mentioned, it is 1-1 in Columbus. The other game is in Minnesota, just getting underway. The Wild at home to the Detroit Red Wings. The Wild have 50 points. They're trying to scratch and claw their way back into the Western Conference playoff race. Oil Kings in action tonight. They're on the road in Swift Current to play the Broncos. That game just getting underway. American Hockey League, the uh, top farm club of the Oilers, the Bakersfield Condors playing the San Jose Barracuda in about an hour and a half from now. I believe it would be the second game for Matt Benning, who's on a conditioning assignment, trying to work his way back from his second concussion of the season. Raptors are in action as well tonight, so we will update you on that game as well. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, let's see here, at home against the Sixers, that's a good matchup. Uh, the Sixers are up 46-43 to over the Raptors. As we do every week here on 630 Chat Inside Sports, uh, we bring in uh, Kelly Rudy for our weekly visit, uh, analyst on the NHL on Rogers. Kelly, it's always a treat when I'm in this chair because that means I get to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Dave. You know, it's a great day. I Because like the NHL teams, I have a bit of a break. So uh, this past Sunday, my wife and I, Donna, drove out to Kananaskis and stayed at the beautiful lodge there. I don't know if you've experienced it. They have a beautiful Nordic spa. Then we drove back today and spent part of the afternoon with our grandson. So top that for a day. Uh, awesome. I don't think I can. I, I can't. I, in fact, you <laughs> tweeted a picture of you and your grandson watching what Peppa Pig? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have a I have an almost four year old boy and a two year old girl. Uh, Peppa Pig, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine, and Paw Patrol resonate oh, yeah. through my house and in my you know you know it's bad when I shouldn't say bad but you know yeah. you're hooked into whether it's uh, parenthood or as you you get to be a grandpa yeah. which is the yeah. the best. I can't wait for that stage, by the way. Uh, but that's a long way off. Um, but you start humming the tune in your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's such, you know, it's such a good memory for us. I mean, moving forward, every, every day that we get to spend time with Maverick is just uh, a treasure. So we really, really appreciate it. So I believe there are 17 teams in total that are on the bye week before the All-Star break. And then uh, next week, when those teams get back in action, 14 teams will be on their bye week. Most of the Pacific and I believe most of the uh, the Atlantic division is off this week. There's uh, The Knights played last night, and that was a good result for everybody in the Pacific division playoff race. They lost 3-2 to the Boston Bruins. What do you think yeah. of this bye week? It, it's I think, what, it's an its fourth year in existence and it kind of has some mixed reviews what are your thoughts well i'm torn uh there's a part of me that as a player i'd go oh boy uh what a welcome relief i have a bit of a break and uh then when you come back and it's after all-star then you really know the grind is on you know uh, you've got february and march to play your best hockey and hopefully get your team into the playoffs 
But then you look at it from the other side, and I'm thinking, but then the schedule is really condensed, so you hardly get any days off. You Most teams rarely would get a, a two-day break between games. It's just every other day or back-to-back. And then uh, more so from a goaltender standpoint, I would have hated that much time off. That's mm. just too much time. And so uh, even for me, I felt, and I still talk to goalies about this, more than like two days, and then all of a sudden there's a big adjustment for your eyes again, getting used to the speed of the shot and just the traffic in front of you and all that. So it's, there's a lot of things to think about and to work through on these bye breaks. You know, while you'd be in the midst of it, I'm sure it's fantastic. But, you know, for a, a guy like us, we, we had a young fam. We probably would have gone to Disneyland or done something really fun like that. And so I really understand the part of that, the the mental break that you get from the game. But also, you know, I know myself, and I know how my brain is always on fire anyways, and so I would have been thinking about how am I going to be playing when I come back? Am I doing enough fitness while I'm on my break to make sure that none of that drops below where it needs to be? So it's. I think in theory it's a great idea, but I would think with some of these teams, I mean, I look at the Oilers. They play January 18th, the Saturday, an afternoon game, and then they don't play again until the following Wednesday. So right. that's an enormous length to be off. Yeah, no question. And, you know, the, the good news is that when they play the Flames, it'll be a similar gap between games, so which will make the first period very interesting. And I and I guess Monday and Tuesday next week are going to be very important practice days to knock as much rust uh, rust yeah. off of you as, as you can. You know, Dave Tippett said at least the bye weeks are more streamlined um and we just referenced that with the oilers and flames playing basically virtually at the same time after their break he remembers the first year and the first year it was was a disaster because they were all spread out and uh dave tippett said on the fifth day of of the bye week you could practice at four and then he had a back-to-back situation that's brutal uh now now it's a little bit more laid out uh, a little bit more uh, a lot more streamlined it makes more sense but from a coaching standpoint i'm sure they're all saying i wish i could practice a bit more uh, during this time off, but of course you can't because the players want to get out of Dodge. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a dilemma, and, and I recall those that first year where I believe I can't remember what the record was, but the teams that had the long break they'd come back and play against the team that hadn't had a break yet or had continued playing, and and they'd just get pelted. I, again, I can't remember what the the record was, but it was overwhelmingly bad. So. That was a great idea that they tried to uh, find a way to make this more uh, even-handed for everybody. Uh, I can imagine coaches uh, don't like this because that's a long time for players to be off, and you don't know what they're doing. You don't know where they've gone. So as much as it's a a needed rest, how far are they traveling to get where they're going, and when are they coming back? Are they going to be rested? So I'm sure coaches, there's a part of them that they're thinking that they don't like this at all. Kelly really Kelly Rudy joins us from the NHL on Rogers our weekly visit here on 6:30 Chet Inside Sports. Uh, last night Kelly had Don Metz uh, who we all know and uh, know very well in the uh, in the hockey business and, a, and an excellent filmmaker and a storyteller yeah. um, about uh, about the Connor McDavid documentary about his uh, his knee injury and I'm just going to put you on hold so you can hear a, just a brief excerpt from that uh, from that documentary and we played it last night the uh, pretty much the entire trailer but here's a little snippet. PCL's cut right in half. Here at the back of the knee joint, there's a lining It's completely torn. It's torn many other things. Not only a bone bruise, but a crack in the front of his tibia. And basically he said that the doctor told him that if he didn't have surgery, 
like now. He needed surgery. There was no question of that. I got to make this decision at 22, and I got to make it in 24 hours. It was already scheduled. The surgery was, was scheduled. That's uh, from Whatever It Takes, the story of Connor McDavid's injury and journey back. I, I said this to Metsy yesterday, that when I heard the extent of the injury, my jaw dropped, and I could not pick it up for about two minutes. That This is a remarkable story. It really is, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching the documentary as well. And uh, when you see Don, tell him I said hi. I love that guy. He's a dear friend of mine. But uh, it's just fascinating to hear just how uh, brutal uh, and catastrophic that injury was. I, I think a lot of us sort of knew it was worse than what we were being told because uh, it was days after, and he was going to get a second opinion, and then it, the whole thing just sort of went quiet. So. Uh, I give McDavid a lot of credit for uh, sharing his story, and it's one of hope, and that's the kind of thing that you know, I, I think I take out of it, that uh, when you have a significant injury like this, and as he said, you know, he thought uh, his leg was uh, in two, and he's got to make a really important hockey and life decision what to do. And I immediately thought of, after hearing this and the severity of it, I'm immediately thinking, going back in my time to Bob Yor and what he w- what he went through, right. and the number of surgeries and how that affected his career. Perhaps the best defenseman ever to play, and so I'm really happy to hear that uh, technology and science and uh, medicine has come so far that uh, a, a major injury like what McDavid has. In some cases, you don't need surgery and you can do it by rehab, but I'm sure the dedication to that rehab was enormous. Yeah, no question. And, you know, it did limit him in the first, what, 20, 25 games, but, you know, limit and Connor McDavid, that's on another level. And you look at him now and he's playing at an extremely high level and it's a bonus that they can uh, break up uh, him and Dreisaitl and then the second line with Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins has been playing well and McDavid's going to get Cassian back and Neil's been up there and who knows if a Tyler Benson gets called up at some point. He could factor in as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think one comment I heard about Connor McDavid's year is that every night he hasn't been the best player. Or he hasn't been the best player every night. Most nights he has been. But that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, when you're talking about he is a little bit slow in the first maybe 25 games, I'm thinking more recently we did a broadcast uh, two Saturdays ago, I believe it was, and uh, we showed the the speed of him in that one clip. And it was against the uh, Calgary Flames, and I, it was against Travis Hamannick. Uh, Hannafin pinched in, but Hamannick was the defenseman chasing him. And I talked to uh, Hamannick after, and I said, I'm not trying to embarrass you or make you feel bad or anything, but we showed the clip with McDavid, and he topped just over 44 kilometers an hour. Now, with our great telestration that we have in the studio, our technician... Uh, Brad said that he recalls like we had him just over 39 and maybe maybe uh, right around 40 kilometers, but never just over 44. So, and I talked to Hamannick after he said, "Yeah, I thought I had I was flying out there." And then, by the way, uh, the way in which McDavid knows how to protect the puck, he says, "I had no chance whatsoever on that play." So, that's phenomenal. That with that kind of injury, he's back, not only playing but maybe perhaps better than ever. 
Yeah, no doubt. As we're joined by Kelly Rudy from the NHL and Rogers here on 630 Chet Inside Sports, our weekly visit with Kelly. It's the All-Star Weekend in St. Louis at the Enterprise Centre. We'll have it for you on 630 Chet uh, starting at 6 o'clock on Saturday, the uh, two th- or three three-on-three games, Metro versus Atlantic, then Central versus uh, the uh, the uh, Pacific Division. Uh, you uh, were in the league for 16 years, and you didn't make an All-Star game. You were snubbed 16 times, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> you know, and there's been a lot lot of players that have opted out for various reasons there are legit injuries but um, the debate is always going to rage on about how do you get players to buy in and if they're hurt they're hurt what what can you do but you know Alex Ovechkin misses it again for a a second straight year I know he's 34 years old and um, you have another injury replacement today Austin Matthews is not playing because of a wrist injury so uh, Brady Kachuk will be uh, his replacement in the Atlantic division Um, I, I don't think there's an easy answer to this I like the format now I think I don't know what the league can do here. You, 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 it's hard to force players to play if, A, they don't want to, or, B, they don't feel that physically they should. Well, I think every player, um, for the most part, every player is really honored to be named to the uh, team. Now, for whatever reasons, whether it's injury and or, I believe, if you put in enough time and done enough goodwill for the league, then like a player like Ovechkin, even if you aren't uh, battling something, I think that, league owes you something as well and so i don't take that um as though uh it's a slight towards the game or the weekend uh, he participated i believe in i don't know 13 or something like that so i give him a break but hmm. every young player um that suggests that uh, they don't want to go and give me the time off uh, i think they're mistaken uh there's a real honor time honored uh, tradition about the importance of the game and the weekend and what what it means to be uh, uh, named to that team. I mean, I saw it uh, personally with David Riddick last week when he was named, and uh, basically, from my appearance uh, in talking to him, he was absolutely thrilled uh, through the roof to be given an opportunity like this. A guy from the Czech Republic, not drafted, doesn't ever think he'll even ever get a chance in the National Hockey League, and one day he's named to the all-star team and the pure joy I could see on his face was really fun to be around. So I think the majority of players uh, feel that way, but uh, uh, there's an, a slightly increasing trend where uh, it's sort of trending away from that. And I, I don't, I'm not thrilled with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it is a concern. And as we finish up here, I think this event could be the show stealer of the whole weekend. And that is the women's, three-on-three between the Canada and the U.S. Those lineups are stacked, and uh, I don't think they're going to necessarily hold back. Maybe a little bit, but I I think that could be a really entertaining game. Well, first thing that comes to mind is they deserve to be there. So I was really uh, uh, happy and uh, thrilled to see them there last year, and uh, everybody knows they stole the show. And, uh, And the thing is about this is, like I said, the women have earned it. And they have the respect of the hockey community. Nobody's gifting this to them. They've earned the right to be there. And I think it's a, it's a fantastic idea that the NHL honors uh, those women and uh, the women's game. So uh, the league has made a lot of progress. The, the girls should go there and have a ton of fun and showcase what they can do. And uh, we're going to be really thrilled to uh, broadcast it and watch it. Kelly, great to talk to you as always. Uh, Reed will be back next week. Enjoy the uh, time off, uh, especially with your grandson watching Peppa Pig.
Okay, thanks, Dave. Take care, bud. That's Kelly Rudy from the NHL and Rogers, our weekly visit. Uh, you know who's not taking the All-Star game off? That's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They'll be in the game for Team Pacific. You can catch uh, All-Star coverage on Saturday at 6 o'clock as uh, we'll hear the Pacific. I believe Pacific and Central are the uh, second game. Metro and uh, Atlantic are the first game. I could be wrong, but I'll, I'll look into that. And you'll have live coverage here on 630 Chat. So that'll be a lot of fun. This text comes in, hey Dave, can you ask Kelly if it's true that Eric Francis, who is, uh, works for Sportsnet in Calgary, said that whoever didn't vote for Derek Jeter should have to fight Milan Lucic? No, didn't get to that question, sorry. Uh, wow, doctor's wrong. Who knew, LOL? No, doctors knew. We didn't know. We didn't know the extent of McDavid's injury till two days ago. And there was a small circle that knew the extent of McDavid's injury. So, no, the doctors were not wrong. We were told a slight PCL tear. I remember that. A slight PCL tear, and I believe a bruise. A bad bruise. That's all we knew. That's all we knew. Uh, this text says, wrong, you owe the league. He just wants a vacation. I assume that's Alex Ovechkin. Um... I think when you have participated in 13 games or 13 games in the past and you're 34 years old, the fact you did it twice in a row maybe is a bit concerning. But uh, I don't know how you force players to go. Now, young players like Dylan Larkin should honestly keep their yap shut about, don't vote for me, I, I don't want to go to that game. No, I think if you're a young player, you owe it to the league to go. If you're a veteran that has done your part, I think you deserve a year off here, here and there. Well, the Oilers, they're 6-1-1, uh, their last eight. Second in the Pacific Division right now. Playoffs, uh, well, they're in their sights, but it's a little cloudy. We'll get an idea from uh, Jonathan Willis. What do you think? He writes for the Athletic Edmonton. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight on 630 Chad Inside Sports. Tonight, 6.30 chat inside sports. I'll be here tomorrow night and on Friday night as well. Reed will be back on Monday for the Oilers open practice, 3.30 to 5 from the Ice Palace at West Edmonton Mall. Autograph session from 6 until 8. And uh, Reed will be on location for 6.30 chat inside sports. That's exciting. Oilers get back in action a week from tonight against the Calgary Flames. 6 o'clock is an extended edition of the... Uh, that's when the, an extended edition of the uh, face-off show begins and the puck will drop at Rogers Place at 8 o'clock. Just two games on tonight's schedule. The uh, Winnipeg Jets with a 2-1 lead over the Blue Jackets. Uh, Kyle Connor scoring uh, one of the goals for the Jets, his 25th goal of the season. And uh, Kyle Connor, I bring, bring that up because Connor ties Marion Hosa, Slava Kozlov, and teammates Mark Scheifele and Patrick Laine for the third most 25-plus goal seasons in NHL Jets franchise history uh, with three. 
Jets slash Frashers. That's right. And as a matter of fact, uh, Connor also joins Dale Howarchuk, Pat Elena, Keith Kachuk, and Line as the only players with at least three 25-plus goal seasons for a Winnipeg NHL franchise by the age of 23 years or younger. So there you go. Uh, Dale Howarchuk mm. scored 25 goals or more six times in his career. That's going to get complicated in about 10 or 15 years from now because you got the Arizona Coyotes who were the OG Winnipeg Jets. You yeah. have the Winnipeg Jets who were the OG Atlanta Frashers, and their histories are separate, but they're intertwined and this. And, yep. you know, we have cats with dogs and... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's a little difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, only other game is in Minnesota. The Red Wings and the Wild are tied one-one. Uh, Western Hockey League action tonight in Swift Current. The Broncos up one nothing on the Edmonton Oil Kings, who, by the way, are ranked fifth in the country, as the Canadian Hockey League rankings were released today. So fifth in the country. Raptors, uh, they're down sixty to fifty-three in the third quarter. Uh, back to hockey just quickly. The Top Farm Club with the Bakersfield Condors will play the San Jose Barracuda at home in about an hour from now. Brandon Manning serving the first of a five-game suspension as uh, he was suspended uh, for uh, uttering a racial slur toward an Ontario Rain player on Monday. Well, the Oilers, uh, their record right now in a very tight Pacific Division, 26-18-5. And And to talk about uh, the Oilers' second spot in the Pacific Division right now and uh, how they got here, where they could go. Uh, could go anywhere at this point. Jonathan Willis, uh, writer for The Athletic uh, Edmonton. Jonathan, nice to have you back on the show. How you doing? I'm doing well, Dave. It's uh, always a pleasure. Yeah, good to chat with you again. It's uh, It's been a while. Well, last year, uh, the Oilers were involved with uh, a number of these teams, except for you know, the Calgary Flames, uh, uh, who are up at the top of the uh, of the conference, but uh, in a race called the Turtle Derby for the last couple of wildcard spots in the West. Uh, this year feels like a, uh, a, a an, an episode of Fear Factor, a long, long episode, because every night it's, uh, it's like these teams are walking a tightrope with the Oilers one point back of the Canucks for first and one point out of the playoff cut line. It's, it's insane. I can't remember a year where it's been this tight where literally a a three-game losing streak you can go from the top of the division to outside the playoffs and and it's it's no wonder that you know we've had sort of the wild swings in in fan opinion over the course of the year you know the 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 standings just don't allow any margin for error at all no and any team that's going to go into a prolonged losing streak heaven help them yeah oh boy (laughs) i mean well this this next month is going to be very, very interesting with the, the trade deadline coming up on the, the 24th of February. Uh, you, you wonder how much these teams are looking at the standings now and um, making decisions or how many how many of them are going, well, let's just wait a few weeks and see where we're at before we make a trade. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely. So let's let's talk the, the recent uh, games, uh, last eight games for the Oilers. So they come out of the Christmas break on December 27th, lay an absolute egg a stinky, rotting egg at home against the Calgary Flames, losing 5-1. Then the next night, or the, the next game is on New Year's Eve, and they are up big time, 6-1, and then they survive that game 7-5. Since that point, they're 6-1-1. and Tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's certainly an improbable uh, chain of events, especially when you look at who they were playing on the road trip, which formed the bulk of those games. You know, going into Boston, going into Toronto, those are not necessarily easy games to play. No. 
Uh, Mike, Mike Smith has been a huge part of it, obviously. I think he, his, his turnaround um, since the, the Christmas break has, has been tremendous. Like he, This is a guy who was hovering around an 850 save percentage for quite a stretch, and, and now he's playing like a, a number one NHL goaltender. Um, so that's a big thing. The arrival of some depth scoring has been crucial. You look at guys like uh, Josh Archibald and Riley Shahan. Uh, Archibald has 10 points in the last 12 games. Shahan has 9 points in his last 12 games. When you're getting that kind of production from the third line and you couple it with this new-look second unit with uh, Kyler Yamamoto, Leon Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the Oilers have depth scoring like they haven't had for ages really so you you, you get uh, you get some input impact from your your second and third lines up front you get top end goaltending you can do a lot a lot right when that happens and is leon dry breaking the uh the reputation of a player that can only play well with Connor mcdavid because he has sure found a home with uh, yamamoto nugent hopkins yeah I, I i hope that that uh discussion point goes away because the I think the reason it was brought up so much was that coaches in the past have been so reluctant to split McDavid and Dreisaitl, and, and you can understand the, the perspective because they're so good together, but putting Dreisaitl at center I think has been a, a, a really good move. I think it's helped overcome some of the problems he was having during the, the team-wide slump in December, and giving him a chance to play with talented line mates is something that he really hasn't had when he hasn't played with McDavid. You know, like it's it's a lot easier to carry a second line when you've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kyler Yamamoto than it is some of the line mates he's had in the past. Yeah, and, and, and the one player we haven't talked about very much is, is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Since this trio was put together, he has come alive. Yeah. yeah well, and I, I think I think the, uh, the second line right now, like, Pucks are going in at a crazy rate, and they're going to cool off a little bit, but they're so talented that you'd expect them to, to still be able to contribute. And, and Nugent Hopkins, the surprising thing with him for me has been the return of his goal-scoring touch because he was having difficulty with that early in the year, and I kind of wondered if it was you know maybe an injury issue. But uh, he's come back and, and basically erased that, that slump from the start of the year, and he's right back at around his career norms. Jonathan Willis from the Athletic Edmonton joining us here on 630 Chad Inside Sports. Uh, I want to go back to the goaltending for a moment here. And, and Mike Smith has come on as of late. He's won five straight. I wouldn't say he's been spectacular, but he's definitely done his part in this in this positive run. And what's interesting to me is he's turned around from a goaltender that if you saw he was starting in December, you uh, feared for the Oilers lives uh, that game in minnesota was an absolute debacle that was probably the worst game that mike smith played all season and then all of a sudden he's getting the net back and it's nothing that really miko koskinen has done i feel uh, we'll get your thoughts on it i know koskinen got sick but it, you know here's mike smith who's a, a fighter and a battler and he's muscled his way back into the cage yeah it's, it's been very interesting to watch his season i i think and, and other people have pointed this out with Smith. He's got a history of going on these runs and then slumping and then runs and then slumping. And I think if you're trying to assess him, looking at his performance over the course of the year, I, I believe he's at a 901 save percentage right now. That's probably a fair estimate of what he'll give you in the future, but he'll give it to you in spurts of being really good and then spurts of being not so good. Right. I, the, the critical thing for the Oilers to me is, is less which of him or Koskinen is starting on any given night and, and more the ability to have both of them playing 
15 minutes. If, if you look at their schedule, like in January, it's, it's a very light schedule. But in February and March, there's 60 days between those two months, and the Oilers play 30 games over that yeah. span. So yeah. both of those guys are going to get a lot of work. Yeah, there's no doubt that they're going to need both goaltenders. It, and it's funny, it used to be this, this saying that if you have two, you have none. But now it's kind of changing. If you have two, you actually tandems can work, and maybe in the playoffs you got to pick one. But we've seen it in football too. I was just going to muscle the football reference in here because it's me. But but we saw this year in the CFL, for example, there was you know the Bombers into two quarterbacks, for example, they won the Grey Cup. But back to hockey, um, tandems it, it it seems to work now. Why? Well, I, I think, and both Dave Tippett and Ken Hitchcock have made this point that with the Western travel schedule. You, you know, it's, it's, it's taxing. Uh, I think we have a better appreciation for handling the workloads of players now. I'm not sure that we've found the, the right balance in the NHL yet. Like, I, I wonder if, if we don't see it eventually move to a, a position where it's sort of a 55-27, you know, two, two starts and one start ratio for most teams. Because usually if you've got a starting goalie, it's, you know, you've got one goalie who's significantly better than the other. But maybe it's a, it's a function of the position, too, where there's just so many players that are tightly grouped together. And, you know, if you've got the, the 25th best goalie in the league and the 35th best goalie in the league, in any given month, it's impossible to know which one of them is going to be playing better. So, you know, you combine load management, you combine the similarity of, of, of a lot of tightly grouped modern goalies. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think the tandem is going to go away. Jonathan Willis from the Athletic Edmonton joining us here on 630 Chit Inside Sports. Uh, before we talk about trade, a lot of speculation about a contract extension for Zach Cassian, and there's been uh, speculation about Riley Shan and Nygaard and, and, and Archibald who have contributed nicely here. Zach Cassian's number, it's uh, what, 325 to three and a half for three years uh, being the cap hit. Is that something you would be comfortable with if uh, you know, you're looking at the Oilers here? I think, well... It's a tough one. I mean, no, it is, it is. And, and no matter how you look at it, I think you have to applaud Zach Cassian because, you know, it, it wouldn't have taken much for him to be out of the league at this point in his career, and he's really found uh, a way forward with Edmonton and a way to contribute and be a valuable player. The risk there, I think, is you have to look at him and imagine what he would be if he wasn't playing with Connor McDavid because you don't know what the lineup's going to be a year or two years from now, and it's very possible he'll be on your third line. And at, at that point, you know, what is he worth to you? To me, I, I kind of feel like three years at, at $3 million annually is sort of the outer marker that I'd be comfortable with. But, you know, there's no reason for Cassian to accept that. I'm, I'm sure he's, uh, he's capable of getting probably four years and probably at a number bigger than $3 million, as, as you alluded to. Yeah, and you got Darnell Nurse coming up too, and that's going to be an interesting yeah. debate. Well, the, the nurse contract, I think that the one thing that will really help them there is um, the development of Caleb Jones because if you can move Chris Russell in the offseason, you can take the money, the, the price difference between Russell's cap hit and, and Jones's cap hit and basically glue it on to Darnell Nurse. All right, trade deadline is coming up in about, what, four and a half weeks away here. Uh, Ken Holland historically has made deals, but he is, he is if you look the word, uh, look up the word in the dictionary of patience, he's, uh, he's probably has about four pitchers beside it because that's just who he is. Um, he's going to have a lot of cap room, obviously, in the, in the offseason uh, to sign some contracts and maybe get some free agents. But uh, in the here and now, what do you see? And it's hard to forecast because it is Ken Holland. I, like, I'll just interject my thoughts here. I can see him looking for a top nine forward because that's what they need. 
but I can also see Ken Holland doing absolutely nothing because this is someone that's not going to overpay, f- I think, for, for much. But anyway, what, what's your thoughts on what could happen at the trade deadline and, and who's the target or who are the targets to be traded? Well, I think you're right to, to highlight his, his patient track record. The one sort of X factor there is a lot of that patience was shown with the Detroit team that he had you know, been instrumental in putting together, whereas this Oilers squad, he has a, a lot more inherited pieces um, despite a, a fairly active summer in free agency. I think I, I, I tend to agree with you. I imagine they would try and add a forward if they could. Um, I wonder if a guy like uh, Jujar Kara might be on the way out because I would think he would have value at the trade deadline mm-hmm. as, a, as a physical forward and a penalty killer. Uh, targets, it, it's a little bit tougher because at this point, like there's still probably a half dozen teams that we don't know if they're going to be in or they're going to be out. Right. Um, I would think somebody, uh, a left wing, would make sense. Um, I Personally, I, I like the idea of going after a forward with an extra year on his contract, somebody like a, a Miles Wood in New Jersey or a Josh Anderson in Columbus, although you know Columbus has stormed right back in the east, so now maybe they aren't and don't have any interest in selling. It's, uh, it's one of those things where if you can add somebody who's going to provide more than just a short-term boost, that would, that would be ideal. Well, it's uh, compared to last year, I think Oilers fans will take this <laughs> 10 times out of 10, uh, even though it is walking a tightrope. And uh, like we say, the, and to this point, the Oilers, the longest losing streak of the season has been three games. Now, they haven't gone on a big win streak since the start of the year when they won five uh, their first five games. But it's almost like the Oilers are, if they hold serve, they're going to get in. Yeah, but, well, there's I, uh, the way I look at it is there's there's kind of nine teams vying for six spots. If you assume that you know St. Louis and Colorado are relatively safe, and you, if you if you figure they all have an even chance, then the Oilers have a, a two shots in three, and I'd probably rate them a little bit better than that because they they have a bit of a lead and they have you know Connor McDavid. Uh, it's I think the one thing that um, Dave Tippett has done really well is maintain sort of an even keel, not getting too down when they're losing, not too high when they're winning, and uh, that's that's enabled them to to survive some of these uh, ups and downs of the year so far. You know, it's funny we we did an interview here about the Oilers. We did not mention Connor McDavid, and um, you know, I, I think I'll just I'll just make this point and the same point I made to Kelly Rudy, where Connor McDavid, and we know the story about the knee injury and how severe it was, and it's a bit of a tough start. Um, but it's a good thing that Connor McDavid hasn't been their best player on some nights. It's a most nights he is, but on some nights he hasn't been, and the Oilers haven't really been hurt by it. Well, that's that's just it. I mean, no team is going to win if they're a one-line team, and especially not if they're a one-player team. And uh, a lot of the recent success has been been generated by other players stepping up, which is is entirely healthy. Yeah, for sure. Jonathan, as always, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Enjoy the uh, the sprint to the playoffs. <laughs> Very much my pleasure. We'll talk to you again, Dave. Jonathan Willis from the Athletic Edmonton as the Oilers uh, right now in second spot in the Pacific Division. Uh, technically tied with the Flames, with the Golden Knights, with the Coyotes, but because of tiebreakers and the fact that the Oilers have a game in hand uh, on the Flames, they have second spot right now. Canucks in first with 58 points, one point up on 
the rest of the uh, division and the wildcard teams. Right now, the uh, Winnipeg Jets playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are tied at two. The Jets with 54 points, three points back of the final wildcard spot in the West. The Red Wings up one, uh, two to one, that is, on the Wild. Wild uh, hanging around, but uh, they got to start winning games if they're going to make some noise here. They have 50 points, and uh, this is the time of the year. You uh, can't get on a roll, and you're going to be chasing, and that's a tough road of holes we saw last year with the Oilers. This week, as Reeve Wilkins is enjoying the bye week, uh, Western Hockey League action in Swift Current. Broncos up one nothing on the Edmonton Oil Kings. The Oil Kings have uh, really dominated on the shot clock. They're out shooting the Broncos by a score of 19-6, but they are down by a score of one to nothing. You can text it at 6-30-6-30. Ray says, nice if we could dump overpriced Koskinen. Doubt if anybody wants a six-seven guy who lets everything in over his shoulder on a four-foot a four-foot uh, net who's always on his knees. Ray. Uh, he was lucky at the beginning of the year just because of percentages of shots down low. Slash shooters gave him. Uh, you're uh, all mumble jumble here. Anyway, um, <laughs> maybe slow down when you text people. Uh, but basically saying that Koskinen cost the game against the Flames in that uh, the Cassian-Kachuk uh, debacle, not Cassian taking the, the penalty. Um, you're not going to get rid of Mikko Koskinen at that contract, nor should you. Mikko Koskinen's been good. I think overall he's been the better goaltender than Mike Smith. And I think that's been a fact. Now, how is it going to play out the last 33 games? You're going to see both. Now, will Smith get the net and... You know, as Jonathan Willis said, will he play two two games in a row, Koskinen one? Will he get more starts? I don't know, but they're going to need Miko Koskinen. And Ray says, read my text. Don't ignore what most are thinking. <laughs> I hope you have a pleasant evening, Ray. Thank you very much for your text. News is next from the 630 Chad 24-Hour News Center. In the uh, next half hour, uh, we'll uh, hear from Scott Housen, who handles the uh, the pipeline of the Oilers prospects, and uh, we'll hear what he had to say on uh, uh, three prospects of the Oilers, including Philip Broberg, and this was from Oilers Now from yesterday. In the second half hour, we'll uh, be joined by a couple of coaches, or you hear a conversation a couple uh, from last week's uh, coaches introduction. Morley Scott, a conversation with Noel Thorpe, new defensive coordinator, and my conversation with A.J. Gass returning as special teams coordinator. And, oh, Eli Manning's retired. And Larry Walker was funny today at the uh, Hall of Fame in, uh, induction press conference. Camelin for Wilkins on a Wednesday night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.